Hello, everybody, and welcome to Garden Gals. This podcast is brought to you by Couch Guy Sports. Make sure you go check out all of the written content on couchguysports.com. You can find my articles there every Tuesday and Thursday. I genuinely forgot what days I wrote, but uh, we have the latest news stories and opinion pieces daily. Also, make sure you all check out the podcast network. I am a big fan of, obviously, the Couch Guy Sports Podcast, Legend Lingo, and Small State Big Takes. Make sure to also subscribe to Couch Guy Sports on Twitch. Give us a follow and a lovely subscription over there. Also, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can get access to all of our recordings and other shows such as BSP's Blocklist and so many more. Check out the store that is actually coming very soon with some fantastic updates and upgrades. Today is a very special episode. Um, Also, hi, it's just me. Um, (laughs) Horrible at these things. But I am here with a very special guest today, Chanel from See More Than Sports. How are you today? I'm great. What a cutie little interaction. Thank you. Of course. You know, I wish I could do you justice and, you know. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You are just somebody that I found on Twitter accidentally, I feel like. I don't remember how I found you. Like, probably, probably like a year ago now. And... You know, you were live tweeting on your own personal Twitter account, and I was like, I like this girl. I like her. She has a personality. She's fun. She's funny. Just, you know, your reactions are priceless. And then I recruited you for Pucker Up Sports, and now you're doing socials over there. How do you like it? (laughs) Um, first of all, I'm sorry about my phone, house phone ringing. It's the early 2000s and this biznatch, and we still have a house phone, and this one is, like, monumentally worse because it, like, reads out who's calling, and if somebody leaves a voicemail, it, like, reads it. It's so bad. I'm so sorry. You're totally so fine. Sorry. Please don't um, about it. Yeah, so I feel like it's been over a year since we've been yeah. connected, um, based off what you just said and also just like I don't know I we've just been like in the same circles kind of um just because we're Bruins fans and that definitely brought us together but I was really interested in Pucker Up when I first heard about it because I was uh like wow it's like a 100% women's publication and I found that to be really interesting given the climate at the time um and I found that really empowering so I was excited uh, um, but I am just so happy that the internet has brought us together. Um, I am grateful for all the girls in our little group. Um, we just, we really do smash some stereotypes about mm-hmm. women working together and just communication, um, for the most part. Um, but I am just so happy that you let me come on and hopefully Al hears this and he hires me. Um, (laughs) Shout out Al. We love Al. 
I will take over, but only if I can have Jess as a co-host because I'm too small to do this alone. Um, <laughs> so sweet. Um, but yeah, I I really um, look up to you, and I think the last couple weeks, us together, like separately, but at the same mm-hmm. time, we've put out some really important work um, and stories that we've shared and been vulnerable to the internet, which is like kind of a crazy place. Kind of scary to do it's that. Very scary, and I know that I definitely did my gentle push of making sure that you put that article <laughs> about your school experience yeah. out because I I knew a lot of kids like you growing up and I feel um a little bit sad that we didn't grow up together because I definitely would have been a huge cheerleader for you yeah, and just sure. really like tried my best to make sure that you were getting the treatment that you deserved and also that you had a friend um so when I like read your story and and just talking to you one on one, it's like oh my gosh, like you would have been one of my kids. Like I, <laughs> um, I was definitely one of those like uh, smaller people, literally, but like one of those people that people wouldn't feel so weird being vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the wheelchair thing, but they people just come like talk to me about stuff that they wouldn't. Uh, normally talk to anybody about um and I just it's a blessing and a curse but it's definitely been more of a blessing to be able to help people get through things and um I just want to say like I was really happy that you put that out there and the reception of it was even better because as you saw like so many people were like oh this is my kid or this is Mm -hmm. me um seeing yourself reflected in in something like that especially as uh in like the education world is a whole different beast um and I think that's kind of probably going to be like the theme of this this episode in general is just there's so many different layers to things that are going on right now um and I think the education is one of the biggest ones absolutely and thank you for just coming on here I know that you are a very busy woman (laughs) um I had to steal you today for a little bit so you know I'm glad you could squeeze me in on such short notice but um I'm very glad that, you know, we've obviously found each other, but you've also helped me, like, expand my own horizons because I'm somebody who believes in life is not cookie cutter for everybody. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, my lifestyle is going to be different from yours, and yours is going to be different from another person in a wheelchair. Like, there's always, like, different there's different avenues in life and it's, you know, it has to be accessible for everybody. Um, I don't want to get dark here, but it's like, just like I told you the other day, like grief isn't linear mm-hmm. and neither is life. Um, yeah. Life is a freeing disaster for everybody <laughs> at one point or another. And if you have the privilege for it not to be, I'm sure that that's probably a farce. Um, oh, must be nice. Like, yeah, it must it must be nice. Please tell us your tips. Um, <laughs> if you have, if you've cracked the code, um, but it's so important to remember that linear careers and things, I feel like, don't always end up in happiness. Like I know so many people who are legacy kids and like went to the same school as their parents or yep. were forced to go down the same path and that's not authentic and it kind of can show through their work. And I think if, if you really make sure that 
at the end of the day that you are happy no matter where you are no matter what extenuating circumstances you have if you're happy then I think that you're doing the best that you can because so many times like you can see the difference between people who have different socioeconomic states like just because you have all the money in the world does not mean mm-hmm. that you're happy and um, we see that time and time again and you know it sucks right now because um, both of us are know in between jobs or I'm super unemployed right now um (laughs) there is no money coming in but except your dollar 64 my dollar 64 I will take that to the bank um (laughs) it's fine I I just you can see that it doesn't it doesn't mean anything money isn't really anything at the end of the day it's a piece of paper and you know, obviously great things come with it. I'm not just right. concerning that because um, it would be nice to have a dollar um every day. Um, and not just a for crumb of- a, a, a crumb. Um, <laughs> but it's true, like, i super unemployed again, um, but also doing this podcast venture has given me so much, so many opportunities, so many things to think about afterwards. Like, um, I'm going to flex right now, but obviously you know that my episode with Erica Nardini came out today. Literally my favorite. My two favorite women. I, you know, I, I'm not about to like, you know, get on my knees for Barstool right now, but like I <laughs> I learned so much about Erica and and her journey and how how completely dislinear, unlinear, whatever yeah. the English word is for it, how discombobulated I don't know yeah just a a nice little web of different paths and even though it started pretty linear um she's completely in a different spot than where Mm -hmm. she thought she was gonna go and even for me within the short amount of career experience that I have I feel like that's happened for me as well like I said to her like I thought I was gonna be a sports agent like yeah straight up and I was really interested in that and I have you know people in my family who do law related things um so I was like okay like it'd still be kind of like family related like that's kind of cool but also doing my own thing and then when I realized how awful (laughs) it appears um as far as I know I won't be tweeting out a picture of my player with a sword through their body Um, what do you mean I don't know I feel like it was like a fever dream did that actually I don't know I I can't remember um Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> You're totally fine. My phone does that um, because it's connected to my laptop. So my phone will ring while I'm in the middle of recording, and it's just incredible. So I understand. But like you said. <laughs> <It's over> now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so sorry. No. Oh, my gosh. Please. You're fine. Like, I'm just – I'm so happy to – Oh, even- my God. I'm just so happy to even have you on this show. And, you know, we've talked about it for a long time, like collaborating. And I think that there's a lot of things that, you know, anybody, you can take away a lot of things from different podcasts and like not to be like, well, we're women, so we offer more insight. But I do think that women offer a little bit of, like insight isn't the right word, but we can open the minds a little bit wider to, you know, critical issues, which I think, you know, we're going to talk about today. And I think that 
my biggest takeaway since uh, the murder of George Floyd is empathy. And that is something that our society lacks. And it is very concerning. But Chanel, I'm so happy to I'm have back. you. <laughs> I'm back. Thank you. A, a voicemail um, from somebody uh, running for office for the Republican Party just called me and they left me a really long voicemail. So I'm going to have to listen to that later. When I mean listen, I mean delete it. <laughs> it's fine. I'm sure my grandma loved listening to that. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with you. Empathy goes along a long way. And um, I guess I'll just jump right into it. Yesterday, the NHL had different conferences from their respective bubble areas um, in regards to the NBA and the MLB canceling their games for, we don't know how long right now. Um, I, I, I'm hearing different things about whether or not the NBA will completely cancel, but I think that they're seeing more of the benefit to staying on as sort of like a platform to use yeah. um, because everything's televised and stuff like that. So my hope is that they'll stay playing, but not because of the games, not because of the potential championship, but literally just so that their words can get out there and that they can continue talking to Congress or whoever. Um, and I think it's just been really, really interesting to see the difference in teams individually, how they're handling this, how the league is handling it or lack thereof. Um, and I guess what I can say is like initially as a Bruins fan um, and an Eastern Conference lady, um, I was like, wow, it's really sad that there's only four people um, on the Eastern side who chose to attend the press conference when you put it into the perspective of seeing the West and literally how many guys were in that space. Um, there was no social distancing, but you know what? No. I think we can like both agree that that was a time for like that social distancing rule to just, right. no, it's, it doesn't exist at that time. It's yes, fine. And they're in the bubble together. They've been quarantining right. basically together. So yeah, exactly. I did have like an initial like anxiety about that just because like I see people without, you know, it's like, it's a thing. Right. Um, no, that's like a thing now though. Like not to like go off track. No, it's okay. But, a tangent is always good. But like just to like see people like in a group like that, like so close together, like mm -hmm. packed in like sardines, no masks, like that gives me anxiety. And then mm -hmm. when I, when I watch old, like, older episodes of, um, you know, a show on TV and people are out in public in groups, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. And it's it's such a weird thing to now be concerned about. Mm -hmm. um, but like I was saying, like, in comparison to, to watching the all the guys who were there um, file into that tiny-ass space. Sorry, mm -hmm. I can't swear on this. I don't you know. You can swear on this. It's fine. <laughs> okay, good. Um, just to see that was really, like, it touched me. Um, and it actually did make me, like, a little bit emo on the inside because uh -huh. I was like, and I'm seeing um, Dallas put out a video or the abs put out a video um, where it kind of just showed the behind the scenes of that. And, like, oh, it was, like, a little cinematic. Um, there was, like, music and, like, it was slow-mo and shit. Ooh, I but, love like, that. Yes. It Make was, me it cry. Was beautiful. It, it 
really made me um, emotional because I feel like generally there's a lack of um, awareness, or at mm-hmm. least it seems like that from the outside within the league and just because it's such a white dominated space i think it's it's it is really important that these guys make a stand and show us which side of history they're going to be on good or bad or indifferent um i thought it was interesting that the captain of the flyers wasn't the representative yesterday um and i didn't realize that till today and i was like oh okay yeah something to note um which is fine. Like, I do not want fake activism. I really don't. But I would have, of course, rather somebody with real whatever stature within their team show up yeah. for this. And I do also wish that the West talked to the East about how they were going to execute it so it wouldn't look <sighs> so, so bad. Um, but when I really thought about it, I was like, the West, generally speaking, is more progressive and more like the teams that are representing them right now come from states that are not as conservative or whatever you want to call it. Just like they're just more open-minded and aware. And, um, but then you look at the East and I'm like, okay, we have New York, Boston, um, Florida, Florida, like, please. Sweetheart. Um, We're trying to cut that state off as it is. I just put a nice little, Thing around Florida and just let it be its own thing. Um, we can just put Florida in a bubble. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think, think they would love that. Honestly, I would love that. I, I think they would love that. And yeah, when I thought about who was actually on the East, I was like, oh, it actually it, makes sense. Yeah, and it actually makes complete sense. It does. And like now that you say that, it kind of like clicks with me because, of mm-hmm. course, you know, obviously. I know what teams are in the Eastern bubble, but when you break it down to, you know, a micro level like that, it's, it's easier to see and kind of understand. And, you know, everybody like talks about how progressive Massachusetts is and it it's not like, I don't know, I guess it's, it's really not. People have this skewed, idea like sure mm-hmm. maybe back in like the 80s and 90s when maybe not even then i mean not. like we dealt with busing issues here like yeah the 70s like um the history of baseball here isn't that mm-hmm. it's a job. um yeah it's just there's a fake wokeness that really shines through during times like these and that's not to say, like, that we're not changing or we're not heading towards that direction. But it's like, you can't tell me that we're progressive when things are happening here, too. Right. You know, like, it's it's happening probably daily to some degree. Um, I know that in June, um, one of my, a couple of my friends from high school went to a BLM protest, um, a peaceful protest. And they were at the the meeting point between the police and the protesters. <laughs> and one of my friends got up and started talking to the police. This was in Brookline, Mass., so another add to the layer of the climate over there. Um, 
and he talked about an experience he had that I had no idea about, and it was between him and the police, and it was traumatic for him. Um, and he had, you know, a bunch of our friends with him too, and and I could feel I could feel the energy like through the phone, yeah. like it was they were Instagram living it, like it was like so weird to to feel like I was there, um, and just to hear him say what happened to him and and the downfall of that and what happened afterwards and things that still happen to him you know daily or whatever whenever he goes out like how can one hear that and not you know not feel realize yeah realize privilege feel something feel you know place yourself in that situation and like it's hard for people to do that because it simply never happened to them and you should really be grateful for that but I can't um enjoy a sport when I know that, you know, that they're not aware of what's going yeah. on or they're, or they're ignoring it. They're purposely ignoring, ignoring it. it. Yep. Yeah. And we know that that one head coach or whatever who said that they Billy. didn't know what was going, <laughs> that they didn't know what was going on. Um, you can't tell me that. Like, you really can't. You can't tell us that. You can't tell the media that you didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, like, why do you think your two games are canceled, you dingbat? Like, why do you think your two games are canceled? Why do you think people started probably talking in the bubble about what right. was going on? Like, you simply cannot tell me that. You, and, uh, like, reading that made me so angry. Like, I wanted to jump through my phone and just, like, I, I don't condone violence, but, like, <laughs> dope slap him I guess maybe I don't know I just I don't understand it like as somebody who is from white suburbia I'm a white 24 year old female grew up south of Boston where the um, median income of my town is a hundred thousand dollars like that's like that is what I feel is the epitome of privilege and growing up there were only like four or five um, black kids in my school and then there were you know like um like other minorities but it wasn't like a melting pot it wasn't anything like that and my best friend Evelyn I love her to pieces like I met her when we were in elementary school but I moved and then we reconnected in high school and she is black and not to be like oh my black friend but like her dad was a Boston cop for over 35 years and so she sees it from both sides so she doesn't try to get into it but you know she like I know it's not her responsibility to educate me or her other white friends but she has and she's very it's not like she sits down with a powerpoint and says okay kids we're gonna learn about this today like you know just through conversation and things like that but I remember when her dad was working the manhunt for the Boston bomber. And, uh, you know, I stayed up for two days straight with her, listening to the scanner and on Skype with her. And she just is an incredible human being. And I love her. And oh my God, I, I really hope to have her on this show sometime. She knows like nothing about hockey, but she took me to a hockey game and it was so funny. But, you know, I think that it's important that we listen to the black people in our lives and around us. And it's not a white person's job to say, this isn't how it's supposed to be done. 
I don't know. I just, it just throws me for a loop when white people are trying to police um, (laughs) how, how, um, you know, black people or other people of color are handling um, police brutality and their forms of activism. Yeah. And yeah, I, I feel like I probably know Evelyn just because my ties to Black Police Department, but um, I think she must have like a really unique experience because mm-hmm. it's one thing to be a police officer, but it's a different thing when you're a black police officer. Yeah. Like, it's it's probably a really crazy time right now for them mentally just because once that uniform is off of you, you're still a black person right. in, in this world. And um, I saw a clip from like ESPN or something where this woman was talking about how her um, brother got pulled over and their dad is a um, black member of the FBI or was oh, wow. the FBI at the time. And this kid got pulled over, her brother, and um, and then he got taken into custody. And then when the dad showed up to get him because he happened to be on his day off, um, they were like, the dad asked, like, why did he get pulled over? And they're like, oh, we saw some suspicious things in the car and we didn't know, so we just got him. And he's like, well, I work for the FBI, blah, blah, blah. And the police are just like, oh, like, why didn't he tell us, like, that his dad worked for the FBI? And the the biggest i think phrase that she used in regards to how her father talked to them about police interactions it's um you have to comply right it's or like you'll yes die. sir no sir <laughs> yeah hands at 10 and 2 on the steering wheel you announce when you're reaching for something and i so i got pulled over last week or no it was, it's a few weeks yeah um removed now but I didn't have my license or my registration on me and the cop was like oh you're like really down on your luck huh if I was not white they probably would have assumed that this car is stolen 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 like looking out like granted like I'm in New York and I have Massachusetts plates so it's gonna stick out like a sore thumb Mm -hmm. it's just like and I don't know, like, I'm so thankful, obviously, that, you know, I was taught, like, you know, to be, it doesn't even, like, sound right to say, but, like, (laughs) like, to, you know, comply, like, my parents, like, Mm -hmm. specifically my dad, like, God bless him, always said, you know, like, you, you need to comply, like, you have to, like, just do what they say, but, He's saying that as a white man who went to school, who had his associate's degree in criminal justice. He's not saying that because he thinks the cops are going to kill me. Mm -hmm. He's doing that because that is what he was taught. And that's the quote unquote right thing to do. He's not worried about my life or my brother's life being taken from us. But, you know, when, um, you know, black kids learn to drive. You know, I've heard from a few different people that it's like, we are told to keep our, you know, uh, wallet out, our licenses ready to go. Like, I don't think of things like that. And, and not to be like, oh, like woke activism, but it's like, can you just like think about 
other people for like two goddamn seconds. Please. Like I am begging you to have some sort of like empathy, compassion, um, this whole, oh, if he was following the law, he wouldn't get shot. Like, oh, all you have to do is follow the law. It's like, no, that's not what it is. It's not. And it's not and and there's so many cases of where it went as well as it could have and the person is still dead exactly and (laughs) like i'm sorry but i like i i'm somebody who gets very emotional and very intense when authority figures are around me and you know are maybe being i don't want to say mean but you know, if a cop is, like, barking orders at me, I'm going to, like, start shaking and start crying. That's just how I am. Yeah. So, you know, having those heightened emotions in those um, situations are just so dangerous and could be so detrimental to another person's life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't get it. I really don't because, you know, when I get pulled over – I, this sounds like it's like a daily thing, but like <laughs> I promise. Please, just work on your license, please. You're gonna lose it. I seriously. Oh my gosh. But like, if I get pulled over, my first thought isn't, "Oh shit, I'm gonna die," yeah, or it's I hope. Oh shit, but it's not. Yeah, it's not like oh, it's you not know, like oh, I'm, I might die after. Like, right. Like, I hope this guy isn't having a bad day today. I mean, like. Right. Oh, I hope that so he doesn't write me a ticket, but like, yeah. not so. But you know what you mean. You get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I just think that you know people are so focused on you know George Floyd's past and um, how Breonna Taylor's ex boyfriend was a drug dealer and um, Jacob it's Blake. Just, it's just like how how do you. Like, that's no, what you're taking away from this? No woman is responsible for anything that their significant no. other does. And that's, like, a theme that runs rampant in, in media and in, in crimes and whatever. Um, unless you're, uh, what's unless his you're name's like- girlfriend, um, Epstein's girlfriend. Then yes. You are responsible for pretty right. much everything. Um, there are, you know, whatever cases, but in Brianna's Brianna Taylor's one specifically, it's like she wasn't even living with this guy anymore. Like, there was just so many holes and just so, like, just like how, how do you still pin that on her? Like, how do you pin her death on her? Like, that, like, it does not make any sense. And there's just so many instances of, like, Jacob Blake, like, in front of his kids. Like, I don't, and his girlfriend is, or whoever, his sister, whoever is in that video, is screaming watching yes. him get shot. Like, like, I I don't know how anyone survives seeing something like that, let alone being the actual person it's happening to. Like, seven um, times at point-blank range. And, you know, people are saying, like, well, yeah, that's excessive, but, like, maybe he shouldn't have done this. No, your sentence no. can stop. stop at, that was excessive. <laughs> that's where it can stop, and you can just not lick anyone's boot anymore like I and you know growing up in in a conservative area um it taught me that 
you know, the harms of not being able to think for yourself and only thinking about yourself, how dangerous that is. And I'm so grateful to have so many friends from different, um, you know, different walks of life and have met so many amazing people along the way that have, you know, showed me that it's all going to be okay. Like, and you have to really, you know, it's not just about you. It's not like, yeah. (sighs) And now is not a time to bring up things that are about you. Like mental health? Mental health. Well, well, okay. So there's (laughs) that piece. There's pieces that people, we don't need to read something that, you know, might pertain to what's going on right now. We need to listen to the black voices around us. We need to educate ourselves. We need to listen. Like, it is not on the shoulders. It should not be put on the shoulders of black people and people of color to educate white people or, or whoever about what's going on. However, many movies, many documentaries, many books, many whatevers exist out there by black voices that you can listen to without having to ask somebody you know who's breathing who's black. Like it's just right. There's so many reasons resources out there other than the people you may know who live this every day. Um, I think we can look at how the NHL bubble is handling this and how um, the interaction between Reeves and, and Nazem and how people from the East were reaching out to them and um, or, or just colleagues in general, like Ken Shanker, like all the things that you're hearing about them reaching out to them, mm-hmm. although is slightly disappointing because, you know, once again, like what exactly are they asking them for? Like, are they asking them to like explain their, their lives to them or, or their right. experiences or making them relive certain things? Like we don't need that. But no. what you can do, go to Netflix, go to Amazon Prime, go just free in Google and ask Google, like, what is the 13th amendment or what is literally that? like it takes two seconds to do the work mm-hmm. and and it's not going to get any better it's like you're sitting here twiddling your thumbs and history is going to move on without you if you're not ready right. if you're not willing to open your ears and open your heart to the things that are going on like it's without any context and you see that video of jacob like i just don't know how you can be okay with that. Right. Like, I just don't know how. Um, And I do think that you and I have talked about, like, if we're worried about if we're being desensitized to these things. And for me, it gets harder and harder. Like, I did not want to watch the video. Um, (laughs) I saw it anyways because I'm on Twitter, and that was bound to happen to me um, regardless. But, like, it's it's significant to watch these things happen and not because um, not because it's murder porn, not because it's like exciting and like whatever no. it's literally it's a reality. It's reality. And it's something that I need to remember mm-hmm. and to, to really log the things that's happened in, in America since, um, since all this started happening in the first place. And to say it even like that is a joke because unarmed black people have been getting murdered in the U S for, I don't know, centuries now, like, Zeon, like, I don't even know, Um, but it's just, it's, it's incredibly more than sports right now, and to hear people crying over it, um, in the sense of, like, I miss my entertainment, like, we pay for this stuff, or, like, you're supposed to 
you know, you, you're paying all these people to be in this bubble and all these different things that went into it. But if this is a time where these white guys can sit in a room and be taught um, to unlearn some of the stuff that they've been taught their whole lives or that, you know, they're working on, like, these guys are going to go back home to their kids and be able to use the resources and things that they learn in there to help make sure that they're not teaching that stuff in their house, even if, you know, accidental or whatever. Um, but I think if they do it the right way, it is going to be so important that this happens. And it's going to be harder to, to re-execute something like this because hopefully we're not going to be in the pandemic forever. Um, but you might as well, like, educate these guys while you have them together because you could just as easily not show up to class tomorrow you know Mm -hmm. like and and that still could happen like I'm sure I just don't understand why Claude Giroux wasn't out there today or yesterday Um, yeah I don't I mean I do believe not that this is an excuse no follow his wife on Instagram and it was their baby's first birthday so, you know, maybe he had a Zoom birthday <laughs> maybe, party. Maybe, I don't know. But that's, like, such, like, don't use your fucking child as a scapegoat, okay? No, really don't. And, like, yeah, the, it's just, like, how – it just doesn't look good, dude. It doesn't no. look good. It doesn't look good for the East in general right now um, no. in regards to what we saw, just by the sheer amount of guys out there alone. Um, but it really – isn't good to not have your actual captain out there um because like they hold weight uh in in their influence and to me that'd be the same as if connor mcdavid didn't show up if if they were there like that would be incredibly disappointing um just any any captain who wasn't there yesterday even if your kid does have a birthday like i'm sorry but you can wait 20 minutes you can wait 20 minutes and this kid ain't gonna remember anyways and hopefully this is not a this is not a birthday year to remember with all the stuff going on right now Mm. so like i don't know but again like i don't want fake activism or whatever but also the philly media has had a interesting day too oh my gosh so So, it's not looking good for philly right now (laughs) no there was actually something we talked about on locked on flames and I thought it was an interesting question to pose. Um, do you think that the NHL will be a little bit more outward with their support for the Black Lives Matter movement um, going forward? Um, I don't know. Uh, I can't say yes because they did the We Skate for Black Lives, but we also did the We Skate for fucking playoff towels. So, like, I can't. And also the same thing of, like, how I saw a tweet today that was, like, a lot of people from Dallas um, canceled their season tickets after they saw Tyler and Dobby Neal. Um, And I was like, good. Yeah, like, okay, we don't need $10,000. Also, Dallas is is not what I would think of um, as, like, the number one place for hockey. Oh, God. Um, So, like, whatever, dude. But Tyler, not to freaking hype this white man up, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) Tyler Sagan. I'm not trying to gas you up, Tyler Sagan, okay? Don't let this go to your head. Please don't. Um, (laughs) We know you're an avid listener. Right. 
so first of he is he's subscribed um <laughs> he, he literally went to a black lives matter march um in in june um or whenever and you know for all boston girls out there this was a huge character development <laughs> shocking yeah um when you can have uh, semi-homophobic tweets resurface, but then see them at a Black Lives Matter um, protest years later, you just know that that is a huge plot twist. Yeah. Um, and a very good one at that. I'll give you that. But yeah, it was a nice development. Really nice. Um, and the whole kneeling thing, though it was one time, also really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, I wish I could say yes. I really wish I could say that that these people who love money so 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 much um, would put that aside to protect and support the lives of Black people. Um, I wish I could say that wholeheartedly, um, but baby can't because <laughs> <laughs> baby cannot say that because like I've just just too much as too too many things for them feel like it's on the line if they do that. Um, I feel like certain communities will come for them. Um, but I wish that they would because it would show people that it's human rights. Um, yeah. it point blank, that's it. It's human rights issues. That's all we can say about it and preach about it and explain to people that, you know, there are Black Republicans. Like, it's <laughs> their lives too. Yeah. Like, it's... Like, this isn't just about the left. This is literally no. about every black person under the sun, no matter where they fall on the political spectrum. Exactly. And <laughs> all black lives matter. Like literally. Every um, single one of them. Every single one, dude. And it's like I it, it seems like such a silly concept for people not to get. And yeah. I love reposting that office meme. Um and it's just like I I wish I wish that I could say yes. But at the same time, when we skate for fucking towels, I can't be like, yeah, yeah, they're here. They get it. I do think we're we're at a climax and we're at a shift where they could head in that direction. Um, the media today around what's going on is a little bit interesting, too, in regards to how these athletes are responding to people who are telling them to just skate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and well, that's, that's not even just Philly media today. I saw another thing. So, like... It's interesting, and it, and it will be interesting to see where we are a year from today. Um, mm-hmm. But some some of it, I was like, oh, it's interesting that now they want to cancel the games, and like it's mm-hmm. only after this. And then having watched what I think the Mets did last night, I don't know who they played, but I watched yeah, the it was the Mets of what and they Marlins. did. The Mets and Marlins. That alone almost brought me to tears. I would cry if I had a soul, but I don't. Um, so, like, I wish it came out during that time. Yeah. Um, but something like that, it just, you know, a lot of the guys were saying it was a game time decision. It really came down to the wire, and it was too close to to cancel. And And in that sense, I can get it, but it's not like this was breaking news in the middle of the day. Um, right. I feel like that's even kind of a crappy excuse given the fact that things are kind of heading in this direction at the beginning of the week. So um, I think that that's a tough thing to deal with, but I, I, I hope that, you know, they'll continue to say it and 
hopefully eventually mean mean it um yeah that, that's that remains to be seen i i think it's it's not funny to laugh at it's it's not but you know before game three of the bruins and lightning uh series just this giant end racism graphic is on the jumbotron what do you want it what, like, you mean what? that didn't solve everything? What do you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, it said end racism. Racism is over now. They, the they NHL did. ended racism. They solved it. Like, they thank you. Hashtag ended racism. <laughs> like, when I saw that, like, I tried really hard not to laugh because, like, this, it's not something to laugh at, but just like they missed the mark completely with a seven second moment of reflection. And you know what? Hey, but don't worry. Colorado and Dallas didn't have one at all. <sighs> and that ended racism, period. They, so, they said, I don't know what you're crying about, Jessica. Because <laughs> racism is solved. Thank it's you, Anisha. It's just so... Like, I don't even think tone deaf is the right word. Like, is there no. even... it's 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 so bad it's just awful and then you know you have the coach of philly like we talked about a little bit ago saying i don't know anything that's going on in the outside world are are you kidding me are you kidding me that's a joke that's gotta be a joke (laughs) i yeah when (laughs) it is laughable it honestly is laughable like seeing that (laughs) <laughs> the graphic, like, even if it said Black Lives Matter instead of end racism, I'd be more inclined yeah. to be like, okay, like, you said it at least. Right. Like, but that's really all they had to racism. do. Like, the, a freaking a cat with a Siri over, like, <laughs> the Siri dubbed voice could have said that. And it still, <laughs> it would have been better. Like, yeah, I need no. to talk of the cat saying and racism and. Sorry. I'll do it. You know, it's next gone. time. Next time Bruins wakes up from his nap, I will. And each will be like and racism. Yes, but it's also just mind blowing to me that they could have said three little words that have three little words that have so much meaning behind them, and no, it's not "I love you." Um. But I love your money is more their, yeah. their their speed. Yeah, so it's just like you know, I people are gonna be unhappy no matter what they do. Oh Bradley oh my God, came King. In clutch with a second mine? with a second <laughs> it's in the Thank you. Uh thank you, Bradley. Um but I just I don't I don't understand it. Racism solved. I, you know, I guess so. I guess that the NHL just really took it upon themselves to end racism, and they waited this long, which is so rude of them. Yeah, and I do find it really interesting to see the dynamic between the HDA and the NHL because yes. there seems to be a huge disconnect there, and I don't know if it's because the NHL is not happy that they went outside of of their space and created this initiative or this mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, but it kind of sucks. Um, yeah, because I feel like you can 
tell that there's a disconnect between them and that like the NHL's 100% support doesn't is not there um no and you can see that in the way that this pause happened because it's the players said this or the, right. the players decided that they were going to do this which not I'm... the league not the PA not all these people coming together collectively not the lawyer like not not everybody was down not Alan this. Walsh he didn't not Alan Walsh. racism <laughs> um but I actually wrote down a question it's funny that you like transitioned into this without even knowing yeah. my question. Um, I'm psychic. You really are. So I said, um, you know, will Bettman ever open his boardroom or the conference room, where whichever one, to the Hockey Diversity Alliance and show, you know, the big guys, the owners, and all these people who make way too much money, um, what needs to change? Um. Yeah. I. Gosh, Gary, Gary, Gary. What a dude. Um, what a man. <laughs> what a man. That delicious made me break out the song, but I won't go there. Um, so <laughs> I I think there are so many problems, like so many layers. Um, within just the way they interact with the media and how they only choose certain people to an- ask certain questions and um, I think some of these players need to answer some of them, and and they are now. And um, one of the women from USA Today—I can't remember her name—but um, she she finally got a question in, and it was an important one. But it's kind of like there's so many little things that the NHL needs to fix in order for players and humans in their organization to feel comfortable mm-hmm. bringing things up. Um, and just like knowing that, you know, these the, because they're not the eighty-seven percent of the league doesn't mean that they don't matter. Doesn't mean that their work couldn't impact the future of the game. And I think it's kind of ridiculous that like we haven't, at least on the outside. Like I'm not an insider. Like I don't know what's going on. Even though don't, I do have connections, don't don't <laughs> even though I don't have I do have a connection. I just from the outside alone, it feels like the HDA and the NHL are two very separate things when in reality it's within the same thing. It's these yeah. men within the NHL. And I don't think that they're, the NHL is seeing it like that. I think they see them as a threat. Um, to yeah, like, income, kind of, I don't want to say like ridiculous. a but like, you know, the fact that these amazing men took it upon themselves mm-hmm. to and racism. <laughs> but, you know, they took it upon themselves since the league wasn't going to do anything about it. And I give them all the credit in the world for that. I really I do. I mean, that should have been, like, a real wake-up call for the league. Like, it really should have been, and I don't know if they don't took get- it as such. No. Um, but, like, if I was the NHL and these guys basically started a union inside of my company, yeah. and be like oh shit like maybe we need to reevaluate certain things um i think a lot of companies would stand a better chance if they reevaluated how they're operated but we won't go into that today um but it's just like how how do you think change is going to happen how do you not see that there is a market for kids who you know want who don't even know what hockey is but if these 
many a teams went into their inner cities and did the work to educate themselves and, and, and to interact with fans that they don't normally interact with. Like It's not the season ticket holders. No, it's freaking it's not. It's not. Rich people paying tens of thousands of dollars to like watch your games. Like yes. it's not them. Like and I they'll gen- still do it if if like they'll still subscribe. So right. like I don't get what the problem is. The I you know, I was talking about this with Bradley last night about, you know, we don't want to see fake fake activism. We want to see genuine things and you raise a really good point about them going out to their communities. Mm-hmm. You know, they have this whole, oh, grow hockey thing in China, which is wonderful. Like, I'm very happy about that. Yeah. But what about the kids that are, you know, two blocks away from the from TD Garden? What about them? What about kids that are, you know, that live um, on the orange line? And if you're not from Boston, you're probably like, what the hell? But it's like, different, like, like who live in an entirely different world and who would love to be able to afford to go to a Bruins game, except it literally costs like well over a hundred dollars for a single ticket. A little bit of your soul. Right. Like, I feel like I have to (laughs) promise them like my firstborn every time I go to purchase tickets. And I don't have the luxury of knowing somebody who has season tickets who can, you know, sell them to me at face value or maybe a little below or, you know, cut me a deal. And I mean, I don't think like that's not what this is about, but like the NHL and really even individual teams need to do better within their communities. Mm -hmm. And this isn't about getting the season ticket holders you know, they're special incentives. It's not about that. It's about the kid who wants to go to the game but literally cannot afford it. It's about the kid who wants to play hockey but, again, cannot afford it. Yeah. Make it accessible. Make it a possibility for them. Yeah, I I see so many benefits to this sport, like mm-hmm. potential and benefits to the sport, like – it is so team reliant and that builds so much within mm-hmm. groups of kids, especially if you're at a young age. Yes. And um, although it's a contact sport, I still think it's somewhat safer than football to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, not really, but a little bit. But it's there. Like. Um, the protocol is a little bit different. Uh, but some players would also make to differ, so I'm not saying it's flawless. Right. We're not trying but, to have to write a $25,000 check right now, Chanel. No, Because oh. really <laughs> I only have $1.64.03 on the way, so I really can't say much. Um, but I, I just think there's so much potential for the league, and, and I keep, you know, having a conversation with myself about what what will I say if I have the opportunity right. to talk somebody to talk to somebody in the league and how can what I say hopefully open their minds and it's just this league continues to let money be their end all be all. Mm-hmm. And I don't and I think that, that shines through in times like this. Um, I think it's a reason why we're kind of held back in comparison to the NFL and the uh, NBA. Um, and it's 
really interesting that we seem to make like the least income but we're so obsessed with money and yeah. i think that that's holding us back from making really positive initiatives and um making sure we're not leaving people behind because like you said there's so many kids out there who wish or who don't know about the sport because of how expensive it is alone just to play it um hockey sticks can easily cost like a month or two's rent um so like it's really not affordable in any way and i think that if you know if there's so many different foundations within these um teams that i'm kind of like where's this money going yeah and we know what do you do with this what do you do with it and we know like players who made their own charities um with their paychecks and like you think of like pk and patrice and um even um our lord and savior tyler sagan um he has his own uh charity that he runs and it's kind of just like if they're doing what they can and usually it's more like child children and and tough medical situations that they cater to or whatever awesome which is perfectly amazing and that's with their own money so they can do whatever the heck they want um but in regards to how like these other charities are these other initiatives that the nhl creates it's like how are we fostering the sport for the youth and how are we making sure that we don't end up with a league with terrible Mm -hmm. demographic differences like the the farthest we get is like europe like we need some we need we need some spice up in here yeah Um, and you know i think something that um my parents always told me because they grew up in um a city and there were a lot of kids who played sports Hockey was not one of them, but, um, you know, a different, the difference between hockey and basketball is that you only need a ball. You only need a ball and basketballs are not expensive. So, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, hockey should be $8 to play like (laughs) in a perfect world. Yes. But, you know, there is a different you're going to reach a much wider demographic that way than you would when you are like hockey equipment's expensive. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just a matter of like making sure that, you know, the league puts in place scholarship programs and those in which are like, we'll sponsor a kid for a year with equipment and, you know, even a ride, if that means, like, recruiting a parent to, like, make a carpool situation, like, there's so many different avenues you could go down, and, like, you know, my brothers played growing up for Dorchester Youth Hockey, and, like, we would drive other kids to games, and that, that, you know, was usually a matter of, like, a parental schedule issue, Mm -hmm. not really, because they couldn't afford it, um, but it's, like, there are ways to address these things and solve these things, and, I'm sure some of it's happening and we're not talking about it, but like we should be talking about it and we should be putting money into those programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's, it just feels a little bit more easy than people lead it to be. Um, like and just because, yeah. And, and that's not to say like I could do it by myself and like no, that no. I know everything and 
like, no, I'm literally a mess. Um, literally, You're preaching to the choir on that one. I'm literally a mess, and I wouldn't know what to do, but I do know I could bring solutions to the table, you know? Mm-hmm. And just, like, even just having conversations, like, these are so important because you never know who's listening. You never know what this might spark in somebody else. And, um, and yeah, it's just, like, we can do better, you know? Absolutely. With the, with the $1 and 64 cents that we have, we can do better with it, so. We absolutely can, and, you know, I think that, I mean, okay, sorry, my cat's going crazy, knocking around a vitamin bottle, it's fine, Um, but it's so important that we all do what we can to help make these changes, and really, any change you want to see in the world please let it be a positive change. Um, But there, hockey social media has, like, some amazing people. Like, I'm not saying, you know, like, I'm not trying to discredit anybody that, you know, runs a certain Twitter account or anything like that. But, you know, you see these, like, 15, 16-year-olds creating these incredible fan cams, edits, and graphics that I could only dream of making. and you have the stuffiness of, I don't know, Bruins Twitter account and with no personality. The most personality that they ever showed was from game five of the Stanley Cup finals last year. That's it. With that single Nolachari tweet. I, <laughs> it's so funny because like, we know how buttoned up Boston media is in and stuff like in regards to having taste. Yes. Um, in regards to having a crumb of comedy, it's pretty dry. Like um, personality, like anything. No personality. And like I said before, like history is gonna leave you behind. Like mm-hmm. and and this is like a silly part of it, you know, like we're asking for them to have like a crumb of humor. Um and it simply anything. does not exist. And that's not to say that I want the, them to become a meme account. I would just simply like them to, like, laugh at something or, right. or be a little bit like Vegas and be, like, be you know, fun with, have fun have, with the chaos. Embrace that's why it. I recruited you. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That was my dog's paw. Um, her paw print just, like, slid off my desk. But okay. anyway. It's um, fine. That wasn't weird at all. Right? These things happen to us when we're talking, so I'm pretty sure it's a dad, so hi. Hi, Jerry. Yes. Thanks for, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Make sure. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Because, <laughs> um, like, last time, like, stuff happened. Like, at least yes. once, some shit happened, so pour one out. Um, well, like I was saying, like, before the dog paw interrupted us, <laughs> but, you know, I saw how much fun you were having on your personal account. And you didn't care that nobody was interacting. Hell no. You were just having the time of your life tweeting, like, cute emojis and these, all these little game updates and things like that. And that's when I knew. I was like, this girl is doing it because she loves it. I'm, pre- I'm providing the personality that the real one lacks. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like, I – I've been on Twitter for way too long. I've been on since 2011, and um, that's before our precious Lydia Murray was born. Um, <laughs> She's still a little zygote. 
Arthetis. Um, I've been on it way too long, and I really just, the time that it peaked for me was during the uh, NHL 15 version cover quest. Um, that's where my shit really popped off. And it was just simply because, like, these little fall trains. Like, mm-hmm. when, you, when I think about the difference between, like, um, Gen Z Bruins Twitter, you know, I'm technically in it, versus how I started, it's so it's different. insane. Like, I remember, so it was, like, follow Fridays, the follow trains. Um, oh, my God. Just, there was, it was so different. And, I mean, like, I got my start on Twitter – with a One Direction stan account. Yes, I'm just going to completely out myself like that. It's fine. But, like, that's where I got, like, my sense of humor from. Mm -hmm. Because And it's very different than what's happening right now. Like, mm, I just... almost offensive. (laughs) I just... I think about, like, like, what I was, like, growing up Mm -hmm. on Twitter and how, how I would imagine, like, interacting with a player versus what I'm seeing now I'm like oh snap like remember that you guys are minors and like if they ever if something ever happened like you'd actually get them in trouble so like like, please calm down think about the laws I don't know like genuinely remember that you're 15 years old and they shouldn't be really interacting with you privately it's fine please um (laughs) I just would never have imagined to do that no. when I was their age. So I'm just like, where's the disconnect here? And, like, that's why I guess, like, once every other two weeks, I tweet something like humanized athletes because they're not – They're not – They're not entertainment. They're not pieces of meat, um, even though some of them are really nice to look at. It's none <laughs> of that. It's That's just a perk of it, you know? Um, but it's, like, just – The internet's forever. Remember that. Be safe. Please Don't be, be silly. Safe. Just keep making sand cams. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't have premium Zoom, so I have to wrap this up. But um, <laughs> we've been talking for so long. I don't we know. have been. But um, is there anything that you want to say before? P- please plug your show before we wrap this up as well. I mean, you already said it, so I'm not going to say it again. Nope, it's um, See More Than Sports with Chanel. Yeah, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Spotify, whatever. Don't listen. Um, Please now listen. This, now this means I can have you on my show, <laughs> so I feel really good about that. Um, if you're an athlete, if you're a woman, if you're whoever, um, hit me up if you want to come on, share your story. I love talking to pretty much anybody who's willing to talk to me. I've had a very mixed bag of people on my show. And so I love far, it. Yeah, so far, all women. So I'm really down to that. If, if that's something anybody's out there wants to, whatever. Um, but I, I'm i so grateful that you let me come on and just oh my God, of shoot course. the shit with you. This um, is literally how most of our Zoom calls go. Yeah, if we're not completely losing my mind and me having an out-of-body experience live on camera um (laughs) al this is my audition tape and that's it um (laughs) 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 i wish i was joking but i'm not um 
I'm just so happy for you that you have another amazing show. Locked on Flames, extremely underrated. Ugh. Uh, Flames, extremely unre- uh, underrated. And, and unreliable. We knew. We know. <laughs> but what men, what group of men isn't, okay? Someone proved me wrong. <laughs> Patrice Bergeron. He's not a group yeah, of men. He's just but... one. <laughs> Fine. The singular male. <laughs> singular male. The bar is really high, guys. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Jess, thank you so much for oh, having me. Of course. I hope I will do it again in a heartbeat. Yes. Please. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I'm not going to have you on just when there's, you know, chaos going on. Um, no. I know that we both, like, thrive off of chaos. And we do. Not drama. Oh, we do. <laughs> but just, like, when the pot is stirring, we tend to stir it a little more. So, yeah, we stir. We add some spices to it. Oh, yes. You we know really cook something good up because yes. we like to eat. So Soup. Soup. We soup do love, only. We do love soup, soup in this household. But, yes, thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. And, um, you know, Jess will be back next Friday, and maybe we will have a, another guest, or we will see how, you know, this Bruins – game tomorrow pans out um so yes thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you next time